<laughs> Gosh, John, I forget how good you are at karate. That's incredible. I know, man. I mean, it's all about the right belt. It is. Timing you know? or your leather belt. Exactly. I, I feel like maybe, is that not, that's what you meant. Not really, okay. but speaking of, oh, Dave, wow, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to try to transition to okay. save you. <laughs> Finally, Dave, Yeah. warm spring days are arriving. Oh, Am I gosh. right? Isn't it great? You know what? I need a new pair of shades that I don't have to baby. Do you know what I'm saying, John? I don't want to take care of them. Let me put them on, take them off, and not have to worry Look, about it. Hey, Dave, I know exactly Sorry. Sorry, what I didn't you mean. Sorry, I didn't mean to rant. Knock around is the solution. They've been making high-quality shades that don't break the bank okay. since 2005. Oh, wow. And they've actually been my personal go-tos for years. Oh, yeah. I love Knockaround, John. They have over 20 different frame styles, so there's something for everyone, including tons of kids' pairs. That's right. So whether you're looking to rep your favorite sports teams, mm-hmm. you know, like you're a sports guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> spend some relaxation time in the yard, yep. or cruise down Broadway with the windows down oh. like Dave does uh-huh. all the time. All the time. Every Tuesday and Thursday mm-hmm. and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Knock around. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah. All of their lenses have UV 400 protection, which is basically like sunscreen for your eyes, which, by the way, I've tried that, and it hurts. <laughs> Use the sunglasses, everybody. With polarized adult pairs starting at 28 bucks. you can get a few pairs to leave in your car, toss in your beach bag, or lend to a friend in need. Dave, that is such a good price I that I might buy a pair just to intentionally lose them. I don't love that logic, John, but I know, you do but have a history of misplacement. It's not around Don't fight me because like of the karate stuff. But it could so. be perfect for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Dadville fans, don't squint through family beach days yeah. or trips to the park. Check out knockaround.com and use the promo code DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order. That's DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order at knockaround.com. Yeah. Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with Hillary Scott from Lady A. John, sing it with me because you know I'm going. Okay. Hey there, Did you see the viral video from the T Swift, or as I call her T Swift when we're playing basketball? Concert here in Nashville. Uh, are you talking about the one with the dad and the daughters singing yes, in the car? Yes. Did you see that? I did see that. Did you know that's our boy Los Witt? That's Carlos what? Whitaker. Yeah, who lives here in town. And if you loyal dad listeners haven't seen it, you got to check it out. His Twitter handle is at Los Witt. Dash. That's los. It's not a dash. But it's I'm just telling. I'm telling. Like, take a breath. Right. That's like sure. don't. It actually could also mean dash to it. Hey, check yourself. it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're just dash. Just dash. Once you hear me say the thing, dash to Twitter. Uh, it's at los wit. L O S W H I T. It's worth yeah. checking out. So the first part is when he and his daughters are like, they're probably eight years old or yep. something like that, yep. and they're yep. singing along, and it flashes forward to the other night. So they're they're on their way to the, the Taylor Swift concert yep. when they're eight years old. Yeah, flashes forward, and now they're like in college singing the same song. It, it was an awesome video. Carlos isn't eight or in college for either one, just for for clarity's sake. That's right. That's uh, right. And also, fun fact on Carlos, he has a podcast called Human Hope with Carlos Whitaker. If you like his video, you'll love the podcast. Give it a listen. Then subscribe. You know the deal. You'll enjoy it. Carlos is an author, speaker, moment maker, spider killer, and hope dealer. True oh, spider killer. Yeah. 
Oh, I got a couple questions about yeah, that. Yeah, like technique. Wise. I mean, listen, I, I feel. I feel I'm like good it. with spiders. I'm terrible I, with cockroaches. I, but, but can I tell? You, I hear spider. But you know, what really, uh, 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 sort of tingles my ears. Hope dealer. I want to hear more about that. Hope dealer. Yeah. Not hope healer. No. Is dealing hope even legal right now? Uh, it wasn't Tennessee? in the '80s, but I'm uh-huh. pretty sure it's still not. Uh, yeah. I just checked the website and they're saying no. Uh, but I do have a guy. He slings a little hope down on Belmont. <laughs> you know, like, no. But for real, can we can be uh, can we be serious for a second? Let's be serious. Okay. In a time, in a time where humanity is desperate to find hope, Carlos leads us in conversations to bring us just that. From fun discussions about everyday joy to polarizing and challenging topics, Carlos shows even the most callous heart that there is still hope in humanity. You know, Dave, your heart is not callous. Mm-hmm. It's tender. It's John, pure. That means so you much know? to me, John. Yeah. Means so, so join Carlos every Thursday as he dives into culturally relevant and timely conversations where hope is needed and where hope may already be evident. Mm. That's the Human Hope Podcast with Carlos Whitaker, found wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We are heal, here, Hill. We're Hill. here. We'll heal. Hill we are. Hill we are. So we're here with one of my favorite people ever. I love you. I love you. Um, with Hillary Scott. Um, and so, Hill, I don't know if you know this. We start with what we call the brag sheet. And that is just a lot of the amazing things that you've done. Okay. Um, so you, this could get a little awkward. Yeah. Because it's going to be, it's gonna, we're just going to highlight you right now. Um, okay, so um, there's also just some fun facts sprinkled in, which I like. The first of which we're going to start with attended MTSU. Yes. Go Blue Raiders. Which I did not Go know Blue that. Raiders. Were you guys there at the same time? No, no, gosh, she's way younger than I am. Not that much. Are you not? I mean. No. I'm 37. Okay, that's not. Okay, yeah. okay. I thought it was a decade. <laughs> I just assume that everybody that's cool and successful in Nashville is a decade younger than yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, that's just an automatic. <laughs> that's a safe assumption. <laughs> that's a safe assumption. Okay. Um, but grew up in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Nashville native. Uh, you and uh, shout out to uh, Dadville alum Nate Bargatze. Same high school. Same high school. Oh, yeah. Which is which high school? Donaldson Christian Academy. DCA. Mm-hmm. Over in Donaldson. There you go. By the airport, and Nate was some years ahead of me, but he's I mean legend. Yeah, just and I'm a huge out. fan. Yeah, Great huge time. fan. Yeah, um, that's got to feel good for DCA though. They're like we are starting to represent. They're very proud. They <laughs> they are, and they're and they're just a sweet community um it was such a a haven to grow up yeah. and go there yeah. yeah national native unicorn yes uh met charles uh and dave haywood in 2006 uh is that would that be when lady a was formed yes that was it may yeah. okay oh met why you even know oh, yeah. of course you know um first she song was that, there dave i was there where, i didn't know i don't yeah. know maybe i don't you have a stand in um <laughs> it was bad the first couple times <laughs> you're like you just said a proxy uh First, uh, the group first performed together in August 2006. There you go. Signed a record deal with Capitol in 2007. Debut album in 2008 and landed at number one on the country albums chart. Uh, certified platinum three months after. It, is that true? Only three months after its release. Good gracious. That is fast. I didn't know that. Certified That's 300,000. <laughs> 333 records per month, if my math is that correct. That is, that's amazing. Um, Jason, you can edit that so it's a little quicker. Yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> Speed that up and make him sound smarter. Um, what, whatever that plug-in is. <laughs> released nine albums with Lady A. Uh, 2016 released the Love Remains album. Got all the way to number seven on the Billboard chart. Shout out. Oh. Won Best Contemporary Christian Album and Thy Will. Won Best Contemporary Christian Music Performance 
uh, song, which is amazing. Those are Grammys, right? Was yes. that Look yeah. at you. Uh, she's also sung on many other artist projects, most notably mm-hmm. Dave Barnes' Christmas Tonight. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even put that in there. Oh, was, Jason must have done really? that. Really? Because yeah. it's a different font. No, no. <laughs> sh- keep scroll up. Just scroll yeah. up. Uh, won four solo Grammys, and then it says to take a deep breath, because here we go. Lady mm-hmm. A. Lady A has won nine ACM Awards, four American Music Awards, two Billboard Music Awards, a British Country Music Association Award, five CMT Awards, six CMA Awards, seven Grammys, two People Choice Awards, five Teen Choice Awards, and nominated for a Tony Award for their song on SpongeBob the Musical. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. That part gets me every time. I love that. I know you love the tag. Just summing it up really nicely. Okay, so this is one of my favorite things to ask after, after we read this every time. 15-year-old Hillary. Mm-hmm. If I if I time travel back and said, listen, this is going to be you, um, is that are you like, yep? Are you like, what? Are you like, I just want to paint and dance? I mean, like, <laughs> what? What? How do you respond to that? I mean, it's. Um, I would say beyond what I could have ever known was possible or to pray for. I mean, mm-hmm. I I had hope that it would work and we would, you know, I would be successful in just my own calling, and then when I met Charles and Dave, that we would be successful and we, but that is way beyond what I could have ever fathomed. And, and to be honest, as you read it down, like I still can't process it all. I mean, it's 17 years this year of, you know, being in a band and I started working on music when I was 16. So 21 years of doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's still hard to fathom. Well, when you were 15, were you like, this is what I want to do? I knew when I was 14. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I, um, it's a kind of a cool story. So, you know, growing up in a musical home, mm-hmm. it's a little bit more of my bio. Like both my parents moved from their hometowns to Nashville for country music. Like yeah. if you'd have asked my mom when she was 18, when she moved here, why are you going to Nashville? She's like to sing on the grand Ole Opry. Wow. She's from East Texas. And my dad is from close to Charleston, South Carolina, both incredible singers, incredible songwriters have had unbelievable careers in their yeah. own right. So I grew up in this musical household and found out really early on that I loved it too, that I had been given this gift. And so when I got to my freshman year of high school, I say it's like one of the most transformative years of my life, other than like when I met Jesus when I was five, Mm. because my only sibling was born, Riley, my little Mm -hmm. sister. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I wanted to be in music. Wow. I wasn't sure how, if it was going to be Christian or country or pop at that point. Um, I just knew that I loved it because I listened to everything. Hmm. I started kind of leading worship in the praise band at church and at school because we would have chapel on Wednesdays. And then my mom, this is a great story. So my mom got the opportunity to do the Linda Davis family Christmas show at Opryland Hotel. Oh my gosh. For three years consecutively. So my junior and my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college, we would do 45 Christmas shows between... Thanksgiving and Christmas. Whoa, 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 whoa. Gosh. You're not saying total over three years. No, no. Every year. Every year you would do 45 shows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So is that like two a day, three a day? We would do two a days. I think it was, I think we would do 37 days of work and it would be 45 shows in those seven or in those 37 days. Oh my gosh. That's insane. And I knew once I did that, I'm like, if I can sing Christmas songs every night, twice a day, for these many years, I can definitely go and perform songs that I've written and that I love, you know, that aren't holiday. Yeah. Now when you look at like a tour run 
And you're like, guys, we're doing three. There's some weekends we're doing four shows. <laughs> yeah. You're like, is that one night or oh, over the whole? Oh, yeah, easy. Well, easy. here's the thing. 37 and like 16, I was way more. I had way more stamina then, yeah, yeah. than I do now. But um, but it definitely taught me a lot about just that is performing. Inc- I mean, so you, you're, you know, you are putting in um, years worth of time. One in your teenage years mm-hmm. bef- before people like me have even played a show. So, I mean, by the time you're getting to where it's kind of like a lot of other people are going, maybe I want to do this for a living. You're like (laughs) smoking your cigarette and they're going, let me tell you about show business. (laughs) You you had done. So, I I mean, at what point did you get comfortable being up there in that, in that season of life? I mean, I would say, I would say by the end of the first year, Okay, it just, because it was a pretty scripted, you yeah. know, we knew there wasn't a ton of improv. improv. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just the first number through the end number was the same. And there was, I mean, Santa Claus came out. I danced with Santa Claus when I sang Man with the Bag. And um, we did Tender Tennessee Christmas, oh, the big Amy Grant song. And it was a really sweet show. I did a little choreography, which I've not done since because mm. I'm not a dancer. <laughs> um, but it was, it was an adventure. Mm. And I... Had never experienced anything like that. One regret I have is that I didn't do musical theater in high school. Yeah. Um, probably some of it because I had to spend time elsewhere doing this. But that was my experience with the closest thing to, yeah, to it sounds m- like you musical, did theater. Do musical theater. Yeah. Dancing I think with what's Santa. cool about that too is like <laughs> dancing was <laughs> when we when Dave and I came up, like the the our sort of disposition was that like lo-fi guy on a guitar guy on a piano it's a great point <laughs> and your your experience being what it was probably taught you like okay there's like yeah. a way that you look at the audience and like yeah. you know that kind of thing like sort of sort of that uh, showmanship of yeah, it yeah. i suppose i mean we had a saxophone player in the band that is <laughs> that's the highest level of of yeah. when you got a sax <laughs> guy in the band you have guy. reached the upper echelon of I'm performing. Like, that was where it started. I'm like, whoa. Well, too, whoa. you know what I was thinking to your point, John? It's like, it's those two things. It's one, what you said, that idea that like, oh, like, but two, you're, you're seeing like, if this goes well, this is how this can look. Yeah. Like you yeah. have a crew, you have guys walking to the side of the stage with the, with the flashlight going, okay, Hillary, are you ready now? It's your, you know, yes. and like, it's a collaboration. Yeah. It's, it's a, an yes, ensemble. Well said. Yeah. I think with me and John, we are like, well, I think you just play you know, with a guitar or piano for the rest of your life. Wait, there's That's other it. band people. <laughs> you know, like the other people are a threat. No, it's just you up there. <laughs> and that sounds terrifying to yeah. me. Like coming from the lens, like because it was a family, because it was yeah. my mom and my dad, my little sister. Which here's a funny story. She was two, three, and four, and there was this one part in the show where. Mom would roll out on the piano to rocking around the Christmas tree. It was like on a riser with I wheels. I want to see this show. And so my bad. sister would be on, on her stomach on the piano, like no, kicking her feet. No. Like oh. it was so cute. And then my favorite part is during Tennessee Christmas, which was kind of the first kind of kumbaya family moment mm-hmm. of the show. My parents gave her a mic, and it wasn't on. No. So she's singing oh my gosh. her little heart out, and you can't hear a note because uh, the mic's off. It's more about the passion, though. It is. You know? And she's probably never forgiven them for it. Oh, but. yeah. She's like, I... When, 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 you, when she found that out was her first 
That's like the first thing she's talking about in counseling. Pro- yes. Yeah. She's yes. Like, I can take you back to exactly when I felt betrayed. Yeah. Yep. When the world wasn't a safe place. Yep. <laughs> and thankfully, she's gotten some healing around it and can laugh about it now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it took a minute. Yeah. So tell me this. Like, what, what are the pros and cons of growing up in a musical family? Ooh, what is that like? Question. Like a professional musical family. Yes. this isn't just... Dad was a hobbyist, yeah. mom sang. Yeah, and what was sort of like the day-to-day? I mean, obviously yeah. we knew what November and December looked like for you <laughs> yes. for a little while. But what was like the day-to-day? What were your parents doing? Were they touring? Were they writing? What were they doing? Yes, all of the above. So it's kind of broken up into a couple year sections. So my parents, my mom got a deal early on. Um I was probably four, three, four. She started kind of working on a country record deal. She actually had a couple different deals around town. And um, so I would tour on the bus. Like my kindergarten year of my kindergarten and first grade years of school, I was homeschooled because my dad would kind of play guitar, road managed, and my mom would be performing. So she would go open up for everybody. She would get on a festival. She would get on a little mini run of a tour. She was on radio tour. So from about the time I was five until 13, wow. 14, they were touring a lot. Now, I toured for those first two years. Okay. And then my dad's parents moved from South Carolina to Nashville to base here with me. So I had some just consistency in town and went to school and all of that. So they That's were in and out. That's why they moved for that yes, reason. Yes, yes. My, yeah. my grandparents sacrificed so much. Um, they picked up everything and moved to take care of me. And that's when... My parents both got offered the job to be in Reba's band. So my dad played acoustic and some lead, sang backgrounds, and my mom was a background vocalist. And they toured with Reba for every bit of six years. Wow. And that was when her hair and her career was real big, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So they were gone a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's good. That's really good. Thank you. Five points. Thank you. That's really good. They got me. Um, so that was my childhood. I just like that you can look at pictures and it's a qualif. How was Reba doing? Well, how's the hair? <laughs> yeah. Okay, no, she was really she successful. Was I mean, her career's always up. been big, but when her hair was big, I mean, I remember this show. She would literally roll out into an arena on this runway of this stage in a private jet. And she had Jeez. dancers who were holding like the light up cones. Like, I mean, it was out of this world, the production. And wow. I'm like, I can't imagine now sitting in the seat that I'm in, how much that cost every night. Oh my God. Wait, but wait, I mean, I'm, she's in a jet? Yeah. Yeah. Are they outside? Like what's no. the logistics of this? The jet's just, in the arena? Yes. And she would walk out of this jet and the band would come out first and they would get out of a taxi. Oh, that's and everybody a slight. That's a slight. And, just, and just then to the establish jet, the hierarchy. And then the jet would come out and she would... Exit and everybody went crazy. I would love it if, if they, if they came, if they came in on different size cars. That's how the shows went. She's like, guys, it's gonna be a go kart tonight. Yeah, Reba, we didn't think it was that bad. You shut up and you come out. And I do a similar thing. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm Uber Black, and then my band is on like uh, lime scooters. They're on birds. Yeah, they're on lime scooters. Yep. So they were gone. Wow. That was six years. Yeah. So you're so home. were they doing like weekends or? Yes, it was very similar with some kind of international travel thrown in. Like yeah. they went to Australia for some weeks and they would go over to the UK and to Europe because she really was one of, I mean, I feel like Kenny Rogers, hmm. Garth Brooks and Reba were some yeah, of the, like we're kind of the three in my, in my head that I can recall right now. 
the three pillars of country artists mm. that really transcended genre by that point, but went to other parts of the world. Yeah. And yeah. they really opened that door up for us. Mm. Would you just not see them for weeks then? Yeah. Yeah. And that was before, you know, we had a car phone, yeah. but we didn't have FaceTime or any of that. So, you know, it, you only, you, you know what you know and that's it, you know, yeah. but my dad and mom, they were really good at like, they would send me postcards and my dad, I remember they would write me letters and my dad kind of kept a spiral. This is a really sweet story. So my dad, while they were in Australia, they were gone for my 10th birthday. Mm. So that was now as a parent, I'm like, Oh, my daughter's almost yeah. 10. Yeah. Um, he wrote me almost every day in the spiral the whole time they were gone. But then on top of that, they would write me letters and postcards and I would get airmail, like the really thin paper, thin paper. And what's so sweet is fast forward, you know, the things that mean so much to you as a daughter growing up with your relationship with your dad, even in a hard time of missing them and being away, them being away from me. um, When my husband, Chris proposed to me, He had been journaling to me for over a year Jeez. when he, and he handed me this journal mm. of all of these prayers and these letters to me. Wow. And even he's a musician too. So mm-hmm. like charts of songs, it was like, I got this insight mm. of what his day to day was when we weren't together. Mm. It was just so sweet and intentional him not having a clue that my dad had I done something that. similar when I was a child. And so talk about like just the sweetness of the Lord mm. in the small ways of just thinking about starting a new life with Chris and, and just the parallels of the two. Yeah. Um, yeah. so they did, they did a really incredible job, um, with where things were in technology and, you know, keeping in touch as best as they could. But that was a big sacrifice for mm. everybody. Yeah. How does that sure. inform you now? Like when you think about with lady a and touring yeah. and stuff like that, like, Well, they were in a different role, you know, like they were hired by Reba as members of the band at this point. So it makes me have a lot of empathy and understanding Mm -hmm. for our band and their wives and their children because I'm in, you know, the role of the artist. So there's more flexibility. I have definitely more say in when we work, when we don't. Yes. You're not the cab. That's hilarious. And, but with that, it's, I think I, um, within my own home, Chris and I talk about this a lot. I really struggle with probably overcompensating Uh, Yeah. just because, you know, as parents, one of the things that we always do is, or I try to do is in a certain situation, like, what do I wish my parents had done if, if it was, you know, and they did a lot really, really beautifully. But, um, so I'm always thinking. I feel like I probably don't relax as much as I wish that I could into Um, the rhythm of what mm -hmm. we do. Um, But as a mom, their little brains and their hearts, everything that they need, it's changing. It's ever evolving so quickly. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like that's part of motherhood, part of parenthood. But as a mom, like anticipating and also trying to hold space and recognize what they need in any given moment. So the popping in and out of that is hard. Yeah. 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 It's so fascinating to me anytime we talk to someone who, because um, when I was growing up, my dad for a lot of years was gone like Monday through Friday. And that was, it It wasn't like any sort of dramatic thing. It was just like that. That's just life. Yeah. And the way that I've always viewed it is like my dad, 
that was such a sacrifice that he did for his family. Like, I know he didn't want to leave. He's the best. And when he was home, he was the best, you know, all that kind of stuff. But as a parent now, like seeing the ways in which you sort of compensate for your own childhood and how you sort of project that onto your own kids. And it's almost like you live as a parent as if your kids had your childhood. Yes. Which they don't. Right. You know. That's good. But I'm always curious how the relationship, and obviously with you, it's both of your parents, like was was there any tension between your parents and the grandparents? Because when they would come home, you skin your knee and you run to the grandparents instead of them? Or what was that whole dynamic? Like? That's a really great question. You know, I don't really remember. Mm-hmm. Um, any tension. I just remember the servant hearts of my grandparents. And I think, you know, my, my grandfather worked, um, he was, he would drive people to and from the airport at Hyatt place over by the, um, the Opry house. And he was awesome. He was like the most people person when he was at work and, and then he would come home and he, and you could tell he had just given and given and given of himself. And so he would get home and just, be ready for dinner and watch his shows and yell at the TV and then he go to bed. Um, but he was so loving and he was so present um, mm-hmm. when he was around. And my grandmother, the same way, she taught me, we would do a lot of things together. I feel like she taught me how to bake and to sew on a button and to, you know, to do things that my mom, you know, I'm sure grieved that she couldn't in some mm-hmm. ways. So, I mean, I definitely went through some Every teenage girl is just mad, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, like any. Can we just can we just stop there for a second? Yeah. It's just sort of a that's great. That's the title. That's the title right of this episode. <laughs> Jason, she did your job for girl you. It's just <laughs> mad. I wish that my teenage boy self had known that. Somebody could have just come to me and yeah. said, "Hey, just yeah. FYI, it's okay. They're all mad. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's not, not you. you. It's it, it. Well, it well is. maybe it is you. It is, but, but it's, it's the not collective you. It's a combination. It's a combination. <laughs> it's a combination, but that I just remember struggling and just getting older and, and understanding the world through a, just a little bit more mature lens mm. as we age. It's like, Oh, there's just, you, you learn and you start to feel the different weights of, of what these choices and what these sacrifices really, mm-hmm. really were. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I think those years I remember just being like, Ugh you know, just being angry. Um, but not, but more, I think because of just that season of life and hormones and all of that. Um, but it definitely left its mark and, and impacts the way that, that we parent and Chris, my husband, what you said was so good because he does, he's such a good reminder for me of, Hey, their lens is different. Mm -hmm. So don't project on them what you felt or what you look back and think you felt, you know, cause that's yeah. the other part too. Is like, yeah, yeah. Remembering it, remembering right. it right. Yeah. So that's um, a great point. So he helps me because his childhood was very different than mine. His parents were very, you know, busy and they served the local church and were um, music educators and worship leaders. So they were busy in another way. And mm-hmm. my mother-in-law homeschooled all four of them. Jeez, and I don't know how she did it. Um, so, you know, but he's coming at it. That's the beauty of partnership. It's like coming at it from a different lens and reminding me like, 
Isley doesn't have the same childhood that you had, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. but I think because she's my firstborn, um, and not to just totally side note, but like I started counseling when she was five and there was this big aha moment of like my first kind of memories of, of not, not being unsafe, but feeling scared or feeling like, oh, mom and dad are leaving. Like having some hard times, my first memories are five. And so a lot of my lens is on behalf of Isley because of that aha moment of, of her being the same age I was when I first felt scared or remember feeling scared or unsafe. So then that's, I, I don't know. It's just kind of impacted my work mm. and then how I'm parenting and the corrections and the um, modifications that I'm trying to make for what's best for her. I mean, is there anything, I mean, you know, I'd say top five hardest things to me as a parent is not overlaying your story onto your kids. Yes. That is so hard to not do. Well, it wasn't even until we started doing this podcast that I even realized that I do that. Mm. Wow. I'd been trying to tell you. You had. And you would not you listen. Had. I couldn't hear it. <laughs> you were not. It was like your sister with that mic. It was off. It was off. To me. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. So so in the band, I mean, this is sort of a silly quote. What is it like being with a bunch of dudes all the time? Oh my gosh. I mean, well, you are just surrounded. Which for I people am. who don't know, Dave is on currently on this tour yes. with Lady A. Yes. So I'm just adding. I'm not even you're helping here. One extra dude. I'm one yep. more dude. Yeah. You know what? It's funny how I grew up with all boy cousins. Oh, first wow. cousins. I was the only granddaughter on both sides of my family Holy until my sister was born. So I kind of grew up surrounded by boys, boy cousins. And then when I got into high school, one of my best friends decided to be a football manager. And so she was like, would you want to do this with me? We'll basically get to hang out all summer. And because we were there for summer practices and two a days and all of that. And then every Friday night, you know, yeah, Friday yeah, night yeah. lights. So I started football managing my freshman year of high school. I did not know this about you. So I managed all four years of high school. No. So, yes. Yeah, so you were made for this. Hill. <laughs> so basically, you know, you go in after all the guys have left the locker room and oh. you pick up their dirty jerseys and you take them and you throw them in the wash. So I feel oh like. Wow. It I was, feel like that should be illegal. <laughs> it does feel <laughs> a little, yeah. High school girls do that. It was, honestly though, it was fun. It was yeah. so fun. And I look back and I'm like, thank you, God, because there's this level of, of traveling with this job, but especially because it is such a male-dominated industry. It's less and less so now, but especially in the beginning, um, you know, I was kind of yeah. hard to offend, which... Mm-hmm. Looking back, I probably could have been a little more offendable, but, but <laughs> what a great phrase. I, I really just was used to being around guys, male yeah. energy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I was able to kind of roll. Now that's proven to bring me into some loneliness mm. over the years that I've had to really work through. Um, and thankfully have a great community and I'm so thankful that I'm from here. So when I come home, I just feel rooted in a different yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. But um yeah. but yeah, so life, you know, by the grace of God prepared me to be you know and that's in this seat. Your music pedigree, but also, you know, yeah. being on the guys all the time. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so all I'm saying is that if Marty was so worried about making it back in time to save Doc Brown, he should have given himself more than an extra 10 minutes. I mean, he says 10 minutes ought to do it, then proceeds to get to the mall too late, and he's literally in a time Hey, Dave. I mean, why would you cut it that close? Why not go back an hour early and just tell Doc to cancel the whole experiment? Dave. Plus, when Marty arrived at the mall 10 minutes early, Uh he saw another version of himself. I'm assuming at this point it's just a perpetual loop of new Martys. I mean, what if them comes back at a different time and sees his other self? Dave. Uh, I need a break. I need some coffee, John. I'm sorry. I need some coffee. You said coffee. That's my end. Okay, I'm going to take this opportunity. Because today's episode, Dave, and my morning cup of joe, I'm going to let you listen to it. Oh, Mm. goodness gracious. What is that, Dave? Let's sing it together. Okay. I would like to apologize <laughs> to all those people, to Methodical to and, all, our listeners. and our listeners and, and each other, really. I'm just say to you. I want to say I'm sorry. <laughs> Methodical roasts their coffee to best express the life it lived, right. the place, the weather, the soil, and to honor the skilled people who cultivate it. That's exactly right, Dave. And Methodical—it's not just the name of their business; it's their approach to. Everything, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. Methodical's been roasting and hosting oh, for over eight years and, and offers a wide selection of coffees and teas that are complex yet easygoing, just like my man Dave Barnes. <laughs> Stop, John. Well, I don't know if you remember this, but we have a signature Dadville blend. Do you remember that? How could I forget? Yep. It's the fuel that gets me going every morning, yep. filled with hints of chocolate, graham, and brown sugar. Just like John McLaughlin. Just like John McLaughlin. There it is. <laughs> Methodical Coffee offers a wide variety of flavor profiles that range from classics that are bold and chocolatey mm-hmm. to contemporary that are medium-bodied and fruity, all the way to avant-garde. That's right. Visit MethodicalCoffee.com for more information and use the discount code DADVILLE for 10% off your first order. That's MethodicalCoffee.com and use the discount code DADVILLE. Dadville is brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at BetterHelp.com slash Dadville and get on your way to being your best self. Dave. Yes. I've been your friend for a long, long, long time. You have. Arguably your best friend, but let's not okay. focus on it. <laughs> you okay. know what one of my favorite things about you is? Uh, my calves. That and mm-hmm. you're a giver. No. You're always, seriously, you're always thinking about what you can do for your family, your friends, everyone you care about. Well, that, John, that means a lot. Yeah. But sometimes... When we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling a little stretched thin, maybe a little burnout. Yeah, I feel you, you there, John. But you know what can help give you the tools to find more balance in your life, Johnny? That you can keep supporting the ones you love? Tell me. Therapy. That's right. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries, which is so important. Yep. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dadville today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Dadville. Well, I did wonder if you feel like um, in the band... Like, do you feel like you are representing all women all the time? Mm-hmm. I, I I wonder this anytime there's a situation where there's like one of whatever. <laughs> yeah, Dave, it's like, well, Dave that is person... pretty sensitive, so yeah. I feel like Dave's probably Dave is like a nice go between. <laughs> yeah, he's sort of got little foot and like, look, I feel, I have emotions. Mm-hmm. 
you know, yes. and then he's a dude. So maybe he's like the bridge. <laughs> he's the li- liaison. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely, I feel a, a calling to represent women, but I mm-hmm. wouldn't say that I feel like I get up there and feel like I'm representing every woman. I feel like I'm up there to be the fullest self, mm. my fullest self that I can be. Um, and also celebrate that, you know, I look out into a sea of people in our audience every night and most of them look like me. You yeah. know, they, their husbands or their boyfriends or their guy friends are sweet enough to come alongside. And, you know, there are a handful of guys out there who are like, love don't live here. What? You know, like want to do and love it. But I look out and I see so many women. So this show in particular too, it's just so intimate and it's the connection with the fans each night. It's just, it's one of my, it, it, it will probably go down in history as my favorite tour we'll ever do. And we're only wow. a few weeks in. How like, much do you feel like opener. that has, to, well, hold on now. <laughs> Let me, can I finish? You interrupt. How much do you feel like that is attributed to the opener? There we go. And you don't have to say 100%. You know what? <laughs> but I would say this, close. I would say this if you weren't here. And so I'm going to say it with you sitting here. I could not have hoped for a more perfect soul. The artist you are. Oh, that's kind. But to get this audience every night prepped and ready for what we're bringing. And they experience the gamut of emotions with your show because you, you're hilarious, you're heartfelt. Mm. It just, it opens up, I think, all of the senses that we want to, ha- to have experienced by the time we're driving home from a show. It's just... And I think through laughter, mm. which you bring every single night, I forget what show it was the last run, but there was one in particular where our monitor guy, Pete, was like, he was so on fire. I can't even tell you. Everyone was <laughs> laughing. I had to like walk away from the uh. board at one point. Um, but when you open people up that way, it just, it breaks down a wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I really mm-hmm. think that our show wouldn't be what it is without you. (laughs) So, and then you come out and we have this hilarious, fun, awesome moment during our show too. But y'all, the show is so great. I mean, y'all, it's a really fun night because it does to your point. There's an intimacy that I think John and I were talking about that before you got here. Like just kind of how these shows are so conversational. Like you're literally, you, you guys talk so much to the crowd, like literally talk to the crowd. There's conversations. Oh yeah. A bride came up on stage. Yeah. 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 And, and so it, it does feel like a different look at what y'all do in a, in a kind of a cool flex in a different way too. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it shows that it's not just, you know, cause I think when you get to the level that y'all are with the band, uh, the live show can turn into a machine in a good yeah. way. And it has to be cause you know, you're playing to thousands of people at night and they got to be able to understand what's going on in the very back row. Right. So it can't be Which is a different skill. Yeah. Very well said. And so I think it's fun seeing y'all with this where you can lean into some different strengths of y'all's. And I feel like even vocally how much y'all are showcasing with the acoustic songs, you know, it, it really does, it shows such a different strength Thanks. that y'all have, which is really cool. Um, I had some friends who came out at the Indianapolis show yeah. where I'm from, and they were blown away. Oh, yeah. I think, nice. that, well, that, I think that is the thing I would say most people are from this show from y'all. It's like, because yeah. they've seen, you know, they've seen y'all do what you do and they know the songs. 
But I do think, like you said, John, that's a great way to say it. I think you leave going, God, that was impressive. Like, Thanks. they're really good. You know, it's not just, mm-hmm. hey, you know, hit the hit the BPM at the top of the show and you just plow through till the end. It's right. like, thank you. You yeah. know, well, this and, is a very and in rehearsals, there was a bit of a wrestle with that because we've been doing this so many years. We kind of have our our set list. We have our our moments that we know that work pretty well for the most part. You know, we're, our batting average is pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know at certain points in the night. And so we kind of flipped it all in its head. And there was the first day of music rehearsals. We all were feeling pretty vulnerable yeah, of like, yeah. how are, how can we stretch this? But yeah. we knew that if we, if we, you know, brave the deep of what yeah. could happen, that it would show us to be the human beings we really yeah, are. Well and, and that this show is really for the fans it is for them and that each night can be different and you know it's um i'll say this like i feel like at the end of each show that i and and i think this points to just it being what what we're supposed to be doing right now i feel so poured out and emptied out by the end of it which is the greatest feeling in the entire world and just feeling so much purpose and intention behind it and um it, yeah, it's just, it's been really fun and I'm excited that we've got more to do. Oh my God. It's so fun. So, 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 you know, as you said, wrestling, I, I was, John and I were talking about before, um, you came over like this last couple of years for y'all has been hard. Yeah. I mean, it's been like, you know, I think sitting down to realize between the, the changing of the name and COVID and I mean, I just didn't see any of that backlash coming, yeah. which, and, you know, struggling through with all the things you had to do with that. And then with Charles and his, you know, addiction recovery, yes. like it has been, most bands don't make this, Yeah, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, it's, it has definitely been a huge test of our faith and, um, resilience, mm-hmm. you know, but I think for me, um, when I get quiet and remember that there is a greater plan. There is there's honestly such a a breath of relief when I remember and hold fast to that like I don't have to have all the answers and that someone else way smarter, way more powerful than me mm. is in charge. Like there's this surrender and this breath that can come. Now that doesn't mean that I don't have to release that. And as the last few years have been, you know, have kind of gone on sometimes it's second by second I'm like okay Lord it's yours okay Lord it's yours how do I do this you know but it's been a real lesson of having to trust him Mm. and having to have some really hard conversations you know growing is not pain-free in fact it's the opposite you know when you think about all of the things that grow how a seed has to push through the ground how a caterpillar literally has to turn into mush before it's a butterfly. Like yeah. there's so many different examples in nature of what growth is and it's not pain-free and it's mm. uncomfortable and you don't do it perfectly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the other thing too, that is just um, knowing that ultimately we're, we're going to fail and then we're going to succeed. And, that the best thing we can do is um, is be humble and own it when we do, and then really lean in to each other and wrap around each other when we're going through those ups and downs, mm-hmm. and 
and not to get back to the tour, but that was another huge part of the connection that we want to cultivate is because we've all felt so isolated mm. and we've all had those moments, whether it's on a big stage with a public facing platform or it's in your own, you know, Bible study. Like we've all said things that were like, Oh, I didn't mean it like that. Or I didn't, you know, there's so many different ways that we all go through these things that I just happen to go through mm -hmm. as a public facing person. Yeah. So I say that, I guess, to encourage anyone listening like that, it's being human mm. and that growth isn't pain free. And my hope and my prayer every day is that I lead with humility and that my pride dies. Yeah. If I want anything to die, it's, I want my pride to die. Yeah. Um, in an industry that is constantly pushing against that. Yeah. So yeah. while you are trying to crucify it, mortify this thing every day, the industry is like, no, 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 no. You're the best. You the yeah. you guys are amazing. Everybody loves you, and everything you do is great. So that is a that is a very counter counterintuitive. It is. It action. is, and I think so much of what I lean on through that is putting people around me who who are going to be like, "Hey, hold up," yeah, or who are ahead of me in years and life seasons. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just it's trying to surround myself with people that are in different phases of life and can speak into that yeah, um, yeah. and hold me accountable. Mm. When, when the, the whole name thing was happening two years ago or three years ago, mm -hmm. whenever that was, it, it was interesting to kind of see, you can kind of see the, you know, public sort of online, you know, dumpster fire of a conversation that's happening and then you know kind of know you guys and know more of the story the actual story and the nuances of it and the complexities of it and how that's just never gonna that's never gonna make its way anything nuanced and complex which most things are right don't make it to twitter and the and the general conversation has it changed the way that you like your relationship with that on a macro and a micro level. I mean, we, we all have like, with like my relationship with Dave, there may be misunderstandings and things like that. And you can't, you do your best to yes. fully explain yourself to your friend or your spouse or whatever. And then you have that relationship with the general public mm -hmm. being a public figure. And Dave and I were talking about before you got here, like you, you have to die to that. You have to give yeah. that up. There's no way that you're going to be able to explain to everyone. Right. And after, you know, you've got five minutes where the whole world seemingly is focused on Lady A right now. And then five minutes later, they've moved on to whatever. And no one, you don't even have that opportunity anymore right. to explain yourself. How do you deal with that? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And it's an ever, it's an everyday um, search and, and, and sometimes reminders. I mean, gosh, that it was, it was, um, it was really hard. That whole experience was really hard. But what we knew is that this was something that we had to do. When we made this decision, it was such a private conviction, such mm -hmm. a intimate private conviction that we all three had that we knew would deeply impact our public platform. 
but we knew that it's what we had to do. And so with that, there are going to people, there are going to be people that understand who there's the majority of this world doesn't, they don't know who we are, who we are when we wake up every day. And when I'm in my pajamas, drinking a cup of coffee and, you know, they don't. And so I think I've learned to, um, to really read headlines differently. Mm. Um, I'm not, I, I really am slow to trust it on the first run, you know, of, of right. what I'm seeing. I think, yeah. you know, cause that's the greater and not even so much even about what I went through, but just in general, like we, when we sit in a room like this, this is, this is community and this is where conversations can happen in a safe place. And, and I truly believe like it's, it's impossible to do that online and it's Mm -hmm. impossible Mm -hmm. when we have, um, powers that be in certain places that post articles that are truly wanting to get your attention. You know, it's, it's just, it's a really, it's a hard time to be, uh, a human (laughs) right now and have real honest conversations and dialogue and, and feel like progress can be made in any, in any Mm -hmm. way. Um, so all that to say, I've, I think not to overgeneralize it, but I've just been praying for discernment Mm. more than I have in my entire life. Wow. And also having to really let go of the fact that it's impossible for the seven plus billion people on social media to really know who any of us are. Right. It's what, you know, and so um, to try to give grace there to myself and to others and also continually um, ask the Lord, like, where did I mess up? How can I, how can I continue to make corrections in my own day-to-day life to live more like you have called me to? You know, the, the, mm-hmm. the two things that I think about so much with those scenarios is, is one, it's one thing to do something wrong and know you've done something wrong and then withstand the, the backlash, right? Like, I, I messed up, right? It's another thing when you're doing something you see to be very good and edifying uh, and, and it's met with the same backlash. Like yeah. that's so hard because I know, you know, for me, forget social media, just in life, it's hard. Like if a friend yes. misunderstands me, it's so hard, but forget yeah. all these people. Oh. That's one. But then two, I think with y'all, the other thing that's so hard is like, but I think has, has got a little silver lining, which I'm thankful for is like one of the, one of the good things about so much of the stuff happening online is that you can turn your phone off you can put it down which is not totally true for y'all because you're still going to shows and people are interacting with you sometimes in negative ways at a festival you know whatever but i do think like there's a weird um you know somebody told me once and i've thought about this so much if it's not happening to me it shouldn't be happening in me Mm. and i think how you know one of the new great disciplines of i think our world is going to have to be that discipline which is like if i can turn off my phone or whatever my interaction's places are and it's not then I shouldn't act like it is right I need to have discipline to realize like I'm choosing what I bring into my life and then sometimes I'm not it really is happening right and that's helped me a lot with sort of divining these moments in my life where something is feels like it's so imperative 
And I'm like, hold on, if I can, if I literally just turn my phone off, it's not bothering me anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, then that's really that's a little good. on me, you know. That's like really I need good. to, and so I think you know. But then, but then that's that's not true of y'all. I mean, y'all, that was happening in other ways too. But I do think one of the small silver linings of social media struggle is that you can really just choose not to do it. And most of the time, most of that stuff just sort of disappears as do those yeah. people and their intent. Because right. if they're not driving up to your front yard and going, "Hey, I got a beef with you," then they really, you know, how much of a beef is it really? Right. And so I think like that's that's something that I've had to realize in the very minimal moments I've had those yes. struggles. It's just kind of like, well, half of this is my fault because I'm paying attention to your point about headlines. Yes. You know how to read those things with some discipline to go, "Hey, I'm in charge of my." I mean, it, it's guard your heart and mind. Like yes. you know, keep every thought captive. Like how. I have to do some work here too. Right. Yeah. Why do we have agency over? There we go. There we really go. That's very such well a, said. a great question because to your point, like if it's happening to you and if it's something that is scary or stressful, you know, our bodies release all of the different yeah, 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 yeah. things that yeah. we need to work through the cortisol, the right, adrenaline, right, the, right. when you're just, I, this was a sermon at our church a couple of weeks ago, a woman, a health, a mental health professional. She was saying, if all, if what you're digesting is only through scrolling, your body doesn't release those same things. Like you're watching this thing that is really hard to watch or really stressful, but because you're not actually living in it, your body's not going through the, pro- yeah. the process of how God created us to work to through high yeah. stress, high fear experiences. Mm. And when she said that, I was like, oh my gosh, like that. And that those, t- when I go into deep dives, because I'm guilty of it, of scrolling or down a, a rabbit hole of, of, a certain story or something that's happening. I mean, it drains me and I can't show up for my kids. Yeah. Yeah. And that to me is a, is where it becomes this, like if I can, if, if I'm no longer able to be the mom that I know I want to be and wife that I know I want to be, then I'm, I'm consuming too much of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what is my, what are my boundaries? What are, what do I have agency over? And can I, give towards a cause I believe in, pray about it and, and not forget, not take away the importance of whatever that situation is and keep it in my mind, but not ignore who I'm responsible to. And does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it's, it's the pseudo, stay with me, the pseudo omnipotence of our existence yes. is really yes. confusing. Yes. And so I think if, if you're not careful, you can start really drinking the Kool-Aid on like, I need to know what's happening in Italy. I need to know what, like it is imperative to my life and well being that I know something in California or right. even Knoxville. And, yes. and to some, and at some point it's like, even Knoxville. you know what I'm saying? Like even that close, <laughs> you can be like, what's well, in Tennessee? It's like, yeah, yeah but is yeah. that really affecting? Right. And so I've had to do these exercises where I'm like, if I am not paying attention to those things, what happens in my day, in Dave Barnes's day when I'm yes. walking around the world? Yeah. Those are imperative things. My friendship with you, what we're doing right now. Like, yes. you know, like my neighbors, my wife, my kids, you know. Yeah. Um, those things do matter. That's actually my life. Yes. Well, and it's, it's really interesting, Hillary, like you're saying, like this woman was saying at your church, like the things that we're starting to learn that are happening biochemically yes. that make you because yeah. you're not reaching for your phone because you're curious what's happening in Italy like I'm reaching for my phone because of some dopamine deficit yes. that I'm not even conscious of yeah. you know 
That's good. Yeah. yeah. Dopamine yeah. deficit was the name of my first rap group. <laughs> it was okay, so so, good. so 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 watch me time. watch me go light. Enneagram yes, seven, we're gonna yes. go light again. You have these three girls. Yeah. You and Chris have these three girls. I, I tell me about what it's like being a mother of twins. <laughs> what is that? Because your oldest is almost ten, you yes. said, and then the, the twins, twins are, are five. Five. I mean, yeah. what the, what is? First of all, I feel like Isley is like mama too. She is. She's for very sure. like. Every time I talk to her, I'm like, "Are you more mature than I am?" I'm I a little mean. intimidated by her because <laughs> when I see her, she, I just feel like she's she knows things about me. She's like, "You could do things better." <laughs> um, but, but what is it like? What is it like with two tw- like with with twins? Just like what is that? Parenting has got to yes. be tricky. It is. It is. So it's it's a whole lot of um, things need to feel fair. That that would be one of my first questions. Which I think is in every household, no matter if it's twins or, I mean, you have the same amount of children in your home as I do. Mm. So, you know, it's like every, like in my youngest twin, Betsy, I mean, she's the baby, Mm -hmm. even though she's just a minute younger than her twin sister. And she, I mean, it pains her when things aren't fair. Like it is hard. And so I think, the challenge of parenting three, but especially one and then twins, is they're all meeting them at any given moment where they are. And even though the twins have technically been in the same kind of stage of life, they're still very, very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're identical twins, and they are very different. And which, as a twin mom now, I'm like, yeah, of course they are, because they have the same birthday, and they were miraculously you know, created, but they are their own beings. And Mm -hmm. so really discovering what each of them need at any given moment and kind of flipping a switch to go, okay, no, Emery needs that. Okay. Now Betsy needs that. It's, it's a different level of tired, Um, (laughs) you know, because it's, it's emotional. And then, and then something that I've talked to a lot of other moms and parents about is just the, the emotional weight of discipline like at the end of a hard day, I mean, it happened last night. My oldest, she just, it was too close to bedtime and she had just, she was tired. I probably should have made her go to bed 15 minutes sooner and not watch the rest of the voice, you know? And and she just started getting a little bitey with her words. And and I was just like, you're tired, you're tired, you're tired. Mm -hmm. But by the end of the, Mm. the night and after she'd gone to bed, I was like, just it's, emotionally draining um so rewarding but it's hard when you're when you're the dis- the emotional weight of discipline is just not something that I was anticipating I thought I would be able to be like no go to timeout no go yeah. to your room yeah and then not feel the weight of like yeah. Ooh, oh yeah well, this to, is awful well to your yeah. point too that you said because Sam my youngest I mean is Livy like that with fairness is she like fairness police yeah i mean the two we just have two girls and they're pretty they can go in phases where there are areas that they care about where it's like her donut is bigger than mine yeah, yeah. of course yes. our girls never have donuts i should have said you do kale have. You, well your <laughs> kale, kale is leafier than mine your That's kale a, donuts i hear that so you just lay much. it in a circle yeah <laughs> you're like honey this is real donuts so i promise don't get on the don't get online and look it up but like I would think especially that that's where the that's where discipline gets tricky too with fairness because yes. like you know my kids are already doing that thing where like hey dad you said 20 minutes well, you gave me 15 yesterday or you know you gave 25 yesterday now it's 20 and I'm like I don't I don't remember yes. like, right. okay but if you have two 
that are twins, I would say that's even double that because yeah. they're really watching. Like when we're already starting to say things like the three of you are your own, you are your own person. Hmm. And so the way dad and I are going to make decisions. And a lot of this is with Isley right now. The twins are still young, but like, cause she'll say, but my sister's got da da da. And I'm like, I understand. Yeah. And I see that that could be frustrating, but you are your own person. Yeah. And the, and the decisions that dad and I make on behalf of you for your good are going to look different sometimes. And it's okay to be frustrated about that, but just know that we feel that this is what's best for you. And so it's a lot of, a lot of that. It's a, I mean, we, we talk to them a lot (laughs) and try to really, um, empower them in who they are as individuals. And then some days we're just like, we're just holding on for dear yeah. life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is, I think just what this season is, you know, right it now. Is. There's so many more days like that where yes. you just feel like, like this is not how I thought that it was going to go. Exactly. Especially when it comes to discipline. You, you're just like, you imagine like, well, I know what I'll do in this scenario. We have rules, Amy and I, here are the rules. We don't do X, Y, and Z. And then when it happens, this is what, you know, the the crime, here's the punishment, mm-hmm. done, emotionless. And it's just not, oh it's God. not it just way. doesn't work out that no. way. No. To, to, you know, just a little funny side note is I've kind of been waiting for the day. I saw this thing online where a mom put her twins in the same t-shirt. Like she like went and got one of the dad's t-shirts because they were arguing and they couldn't get along and they were just fighting, fighting, fighting. Oh, like and actually and they t-shirt. literally got yeah. the dad's oh like gosh. extra large t-shirt and put them both in it and were like, you're going to stay in the same t-shirt until you start, <laughs> that is amazing. you know, getting along again. Yeah. And I'm like kind of waiting for the moment where I feel like that's the right that's approach. The it might not ever be, <laughs> but, but there are definitely those moments where it's like, they just they go after each other and it's, and I'm sitting here going and y'all are only five and 10. We're not teenagers yet. And remember teenage girls are mad. Yeah. They're (laughs) always mad. They're so mad. So it will be, um, my sweet husband. John, John, I was with you. I was going, I I thought, are we trading? I don't know. I don't know. Um, have you gotten big Mike his father's day gift yet? I meant to ask you that. Father's day. Yeah. You heard me. Hey, let's just be grateful that my mother's day gifts have been purchased. Mm. But yeah, (laughs) it is time to start thinking about a father's day gift for, for, for my man, Mike. That's the first time ever I've called him my man, Mike. (laughs) Uh, but let me ask you, do you, did you have something in mind? Because it, mm-hmm. it seems as though by virtue of you asking the question mm-hmm. that you have a Father's Day gift recommendation for me. Listen, my man, my, I actually call him that too. Uh, <laughs> I know. I, I felt, do. That's why it felt weird because that's your thing. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I call it. My man, Mike. And then he won't turn around after <laughs> tap him and say that to you. Um, when it comes to Father's Day, and here's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone you trust more than say it with me? Manscaped. Manscaped. Sorry. I, I, sh- I should I, I got no, Let's say okay. it together. Okay. Manscaped. Nice. It sounds better lower. Yeah. It does. Yeah. At, listen, not a chance. I don't yeah. trust anybody. In fact, if not for Manscaped, I'm not sure why Father's Day would even exist. I get that. Am I right? right? You are, Yanni. And this year, our friends at Manscaped are saving Father's Day yet again. Oh, They're we bringing need a Father's hero. Day back. They're the hero we don't deserve. With the total package for the father figure in your life, let's start with the ultimate Father's Day MVP. The performance package 4.0. 4. 4. 4. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now, they, people thought we were going to say 3.0. Nope. We're going all the way to the 4.0. That's right, Dave. Inside this package, he will find 
their signature lawn mower 4.0. Yep. Trimmer. Yep. Brand new Weed Whacker 2.0 ear and nose hair trimmer. Mm-hmm. Dad needs that even if he says he doesn't. <laughs> Crop preserver deodorant, which I use every day. Crop yep. reviver toner. Yep. Perform- you think I'm done? I'm not. No, Performance please. boxer briefs. You can put those on and perform. Yes. And a travel bag to hold all those goodies. <laughs> but the Performance Package 4.0 is just the beginning. Some people think, no, that's the middle. And no, no yeah. it's the beginning. <laughs> We can't forget about the moneymaker, John. Manscaped has absolutely changed the game with their new Beard Hedger Pro kit for fathers around the world. Mm -hmm. Circuit the globe, okay? You can get the Beard Hedger Trimmer, Beard Shampoo Plus Conditioner, Beard Oil, Beard Balm, and two free gifts with their signature beard comb and scissors. And for Uh. somebody with a beard, like I'm always... I, yeah. I use these all the time. Yeah. As someone yeah. Hey, healthy I say you don't you don't have to have a beard to get this. Get Thank the you. thing, and then it's Thank like a field of dreams situation. <laughs> if you bite, it'll grow. <laughs> now we we all know dads love yeah. their comfort. Yeah. Our comfort, right? Yep. So if his grooming routine is already on point, mm-hmm. make sure to hook him up with the Manscaped Boxers 2.0. Now these are without a doubt, Dave. Yeah. The best boxers for men of all yep. ages. I've said it yep. once, and I've said it again, yep. and I'll say it again. Later today, probably. <laughs> you will. You will. Or at least the next time we do these ads. John, <laughs> we should call these boxers Faith Hill because guess what they do? They breathe. Just breathe. Just breathe. Okay. Whether he's mowing the lawn, taking out the trash, or playing golf in the sun, maybe all three. I don't know your dad. And on Father's Day, <laughs> the only acceptable activity of those three would be golf, by the way. These right. moisture-wicking boxers breathe without breaking the sweat. And now... Listeners, you can get 20% off. You thought I was going 19. We're going 20, <laughs> two, zero, plus free shipping with the code DADVILLE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code DADVILLE. Make this Father's Day one he won't forget with Manscaped. John, we all love summer, and our kids especially love summer, but we lose that consistent schedule of when kids are in school, and that can create some summer child care problems. You know what? Thankfully, though, Dave, (gasps) there's a solution. What? Windy. That's W-Y-N-D-Y. Listen, it's an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly, just awesome, Dave. That's right, John. And Wendy has been around for seven years and has been used by over 20,000 families. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy near you, working full or part-time. All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash dadville to start searching for a nanny. And as a special offer, they're going to knock off 50 bucks off your search if you go through that link. Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of traditional nanny agencies Ooh. and no ongoing fees. Okay, so here's how it works. Go to wendy.com slash dadville to start your search. A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you. You can choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. That's right. Go to wyndy.com slash dadville. So I, I'm really curious to, to know the dynamic there because Chris used to be in the band, yes. used to travel with you all the time, and now he Incredible stays drummer. at home. Yeah, yeah, stays at home with the girls. Yes. What, what is that like? 
you know what? It is. By the way, huge shout out to your husband. Thank you. Is there a kinder, more gentle, wonderful human being in the world? Nice and also, really killer drummer. Thank you. Thank he is. You. Your husband is a gem. Thanks. I mean, he is a gem. I can't imagine this life without him. I really mm. can't. I feel so so grateful. We've been married eleven years, um, and you know he is a full time dad. Mm-hmm. He's added since the girls started preschool. He went back to school. He's getting his master's in practical theology. He'll be done with that at the end of this year. Mm. Um, not sure what he's supposed to do with it yet. He just knew he was being obedient doing it. Um, but I'll say this about Chris. He he told me a story when I think it was back when we were dating or we were newly engaged. And he goes, I remember when I was eight years old thinking about how I couldn't wait to be a dad. Mm-hmm. And I feel like God just created him and planted this seed in him to grow into the father Mm. and husband that he is. And I mean, early on in our marriage, I mean, we got pregnant with Isley before our first anniversary. And so, you know, really quickly, we jump into this parenthood journey together and he's just a natural at it. You know, he's the oldest of four it's Chris, his two sisters, and then his little brother, Kevin, who's 10 years younger than him. And he um, has cerebral palsy. And so he is in a wheelchair. He's got some neurological um, you know, disabilities going on, like short-term memory loss. And, but he's also extremely um, social and, can, and is one of my favorite people mm-hmm. on the face of the planet. I love Kevin so much. Um, so there's this level of just nurturing that mm-hmm. I think that he has had had to have mm. and has wanted to have his entire life since he was really young that I definitely see play out every day mm. in our household. Um, he's also a very humble man. Mm-hmm. He's and realized quickly. I mean, he jokingly said, he goes, I think they're going to choose you over me. It's probably my time to go get out of this, you know, road life in this band as much as I don't want to, mm. to leave. Um, it was time to leave. And That's he an was incredible with us. amount of wherewithal. Yeah. And well, he was with us seven years and there was, there was so many sweet, you know, how the way something starts and then the way something ends, I feel like God mm. is so kind sometimes to just give you such closure. It was like the first show he ever did with us. He was subbing for our drummer cause he was on paternity leave. And we flew to London and we played Shepherd's, Shepherd's Bush Empire. Wow. And Chris played for us in that show. The last show he ever played with us was in London at the O2. Mm, and wow. I was 20-ish weeks, a little over 20 weeks pregnant with our twins. Mm, and that was what a cool where it ended. And it was seven years. Mm. And it just felt like, and okay, we exhale and we know that this is how it should be. Wow. Um it has been really hard with him home, you know, and, and me leaving me being the one that's orbiting in and out of our home. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss mm-hmm. our family out on the road together. Yeah. So that's been challenging in a lot of ways, but it's what these, it's what this season has, has called for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, no, no, I'm, we're both Dave, curious. You go. So curious. You go ahead. One well, thing I was I, just going to say, 
<laughs> I knew you were going to do that. No, go, go. I, I think one of the things that I'd be so curious, and this is a question for 20 years from now when the girls are all older, but, you know, there's such a difference in how dads and moms relate to their kids. Very obvious statement. But there, there is, and I think it'll be interesting to see from this season of him being with them when you're gone as a solo parent. Yes. Like, that's, it's a different energy. Like, my kids are very different with me solo than they are with Annie. Yes. I mean, extremely oh, yeah. different. I mean, John and I laugh about it all the time. And so it'll be interesting to see years from now later when the girls can enunciate that, oh, yeah. what that was like. Because in some ways, my guess would be, like with my kids, I just feel like they're just, they're a little simpler. They're not quite as demanding. I, don't, I think that's because I'm, you know, men are just a little more Cro-Magnon and a little like caveman-ish. So they're like, they're not going to pick up on I feel subtle. like our our girls, and this one, this was from when Luca was like a baby baby. Was just, it's like she knows as a, as a six month old baby, she can't get what she can get from yeah. Amy, from me. Yeah. So there's just so kind of a. easier right. for me. Wow. Yeah. She's just like, well, you can't even give me what yeah. I need. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, but like, you know, <laughs> yeah. so it'll be interesting to see yes. as they get older and can say like, well, you know, dad was interesting because it was like, we just, and even with, with you come, that's gotta be tricky too. When you come home, because all of a sudden it's like mom's back and I can't imagine for you walking in and you're worn out from the road and just and me and the guys yeah and then it's they're so, like all of a sudden it's like this is how I would define it and people listen to this are probably going to stop the podcast and throw their phones out of the car when I say this but I do feel like with us it's it's a more it's, it's a more limited verbiage like the the language just is it's got less words it's it's still very effective and I feel like my kids we can communicate well but with me I feel like they look at me and they go hey we can't just no get rid of those don't try that yeah, yeah. dad yeah me hungry and I'm like great I can get you food you know we're I with, have an example of you that. know it's I have a great example that's recent of that so Chris picked up all three girls from school. And on the way home, Isley kind of shared the story about something that happened in her class with one of her classmates. And it was a misunderstanding. And, and, but the way that she described it to him, there wasn't really any much emotion attached. It was very factual. It was mm-hmm. like, this is what happened today. And da, 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 da. Well, then I get home shortly after that. And I can tell, I'm like, okay, she hasn't had a snack yet. So I can tell she's a little like hangry. And, I can tell something's off with her. And so I call her, you know, I call her over. I'm like, hey, what do you want for a snack? And I'm like, how was school today? And she was like, mm. you know, I could just tell she was off. And I said, did something happen at school today? And she just oh, fell wow. apart. And it was just this misunderstanding with one of her classmates where um, she just got her feelings hurt. Mm. And I don't think that she conveyed to Chris in the car on the way home. And some of that could have been the time of day. It was like she was coming down from the school high. And I feel like her volume were like, you're in third grade volume right now. Let's bring it down a little (laughs) bit. You know, because everybody's just been, "Ah!" but even emotionally, (laughs) (laughs) but even emotionally, just as she got home to decompress from the day, that was probably part of it. But, but it was very different what she expressed to him and then what she expressed to me. Yes. Um, which proves your point. Yeah. Well, I will say with my girls, they, they, there are things that they just won't tell me. I can tell one of them, like something happened at school. I can tell something's maybe a little bothering one of them. Amy definitely can tell. Luca won't tell me. But then later on, like, you know, on the porch after the girls are asleep, Amy will come out. And she'll be mm-hmm. like, so she told me. 
and that, that's fine. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I mean, it, it has, it's been since day one. Like they just prefer Amy. There's, there's just that connection and we've got a different connection, but it's, mm. there's a, there's a hierarchy there. Yeah. I am in the cab, y'all. <laughs> I love that we're getting back to that. Yeah. Just trying to, <laughs> it's so but good. It, with that's your so situation, good. I'm wondering, you know, like if, if Amy were, were leaving, you know, touring mm-hmm. Wednesday night through Sunday morning, all that kind of stuff. And I'm at home. I wonder, would that start to kind of sh- level out yeah, a little yeah. bit? Or would it be like, no, she's going to wait till Sunday to tell you yeah. the full emotional story? I don't I, know. That's a great question. I mean, I I would love to know the answer to that. Um, I feel like there would have to be a balance at, like that, mm-hmm. that those that hierarchy and where mm-hmm. you're saying you feel you are like, it would have to kind of start to level out. I mean, I've thought a lot about as I'm, you know, thinking about my girls growing up, like how is this going to change who they marry? Mm. Yeah. For know, sure. Like who, like the husband yeah. that they're going to be yeah. drawn toward the, the human, the man that they're going to be drawn toward. Um, so, well, you know, it, it's, it's funny to hear you say that. I mean, John and I've talked about this a lot just in conversations he and I, and unrecorded, um, is, you know, when you have dads who um, who are around a lot, because, like, Chris is that way, obviously. Even with y'all, he was, yes. you know, like, even as a touring musician, you're home for, gosh, four solid days every week, right. you know, like, and so accessible most of that time. Like, I've, I've, we've talked about that so much, like, with our kids, I think especially with Xana, you know, I'm like, is she going to think like, so yeah, he'll be around and he'll just be like in his back house working or he'll be, you know, like, what she does he do every day? Worry. Yeah. He's like <laughs> laughing and staring at his phone. But then when I see him, he puts it down and puts his headphones on and acts like his way. But like, you know, I, I've thought about that yes. a lot. I have thought like, what what is it they're learning? Even with my boys, if they're looking at me going, oh, like dads do work where they're not in an office or yes. where they're with their friends a lot or where... You know, they have the, I'll have my office in the backyard or in our basement and work, you know, those things yes. fascinate me. Yeah. Just, you know. With Isley, um, Chris, you know, told her like, I'm going back to school, so I'm going to be studying a lot of the time when you're studying, you're going to have homework. I'm going to have homework kind of talking about that. And, and it came up where I think they were having a conversation and Chris was like, you know, dad might end up getting another job, like getting a job and going to a work every day. And, and at first, <laughs> this is so great. Isley was like. Oh, that's amazing, Dad! I want you to—I want you to do that. And then, as she's sitting there and they're kind of talking about it, she goes, "So, and I'm gonna—I'm no, gonna paraphrase, but she basically said, "So, would you go like three days a week?'" <laughs> you know, and that's he's amazing. like, "You know, well, maybe you know, I just really want to be obedient to wherever God is calling me to work." And and she's like. I could do this. And he, you know, he's kind of playing it out, giving her all these examples. And by the end of it, she's like, yeah, no, I think, I think I want you to work from home. I think God is calling you to be here. And like I am three the days a week. That's it's almost like, four days a week. Like as she's working through it in her mind. And it was like, it sounded really great. And I'm really happy for you, but no, not any, no, yeah, this is not our rhythm. <laughs> disrupt my post school. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So I, I have one last question about that. It's yes. kind of a dumb question, but I'm curious there's this one time I've said it on the podcast many times where I had the girls in the stroller. I was pushing them right here on Belmont I love this up the street. Story. And this woman was walking the other direction. We pass each other and she stops me 
And she says, you are such a good dad. Mm. I don't know this woman at all. Yeah. She doesn't know me. I mean, I assume she's a massive fan, but <laughs> all yeah. she can deduce yeah. from, from this scenario is I'm with my kids. Yeah. I'm pushing them in a stroller. That's, that's, that's all the data she wow. has. That's it. That is the wow. that, full stop. That's all her data. And she stops me and says, what a great dad you are. <laughs> and then we've got your husband, who is great. Yes. We, we love him. And he's staying home and he's with the kids. Have you observed, I would have to imagine, he gets an outsized praise for this. <laughs> if it, I mean, he, yes, but I can honestly say because I live with him day in and day out that he deserves it. Mm. You know, he really, really deserves you. it. Um, and I, you know, as you're sharing that story, the first thing that comes to my mind is what time of day did, were you walking them? It was in the morning. What? So this woman, I guess there's more data. I'm unemployed. She knows that. I need a pick me up. <laughs> no, no. What what that tells me though is like is that you've that so I'm gonna read and I'm at Enneagram four. So I'm gonna go real deep I'm into my feels with, with this. You, so either she had a direct line to God and she just knew you needed encouragement that day. That's number one. <laughs> Two, if she is putting into context like he's chosen to do this at this time of day when mm. most dads are in the office. Mm-hmm. So whatever life choices you have made to allow for this to be possible has cost something Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful that you're showing up for your girls even in such as what feels maybe like a small way of like just pushing them up the street so I don't know I think that there's something really um powerful about Mm. that yeah on one hand, I mean, I do, I, I agree that this a lot of times. This is the difference between male and female processing, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it is. No, yeah, yeah. A lot of the time, I think you're, you're making a really solid, true point of like, you know, they see a dad change a diaper and they're like, what? You changed a diaper? <laughs> right. You know. Um, well, and I even feel it like knowing that your husband stays at home. Mm. I have, I have a real reaction to that. I'm like, mm. I, I love that he does that. I'm like, that. He he is doing that in the face of of a norm that goes the other way. Yes, yeah. which I think is awesome. And at know? some point, and I think that, and I think that's truly a part of his calling. Like the calling on his life is for the 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 future dads or the new dads or the established dads in his life or who he can, his sphere of influence mm-hmm. to look and go, oh. It can look different. Yeah, that can be how it because looks. Because I think, you know, I'm not, I, I could never speak on behalf of, of a father at all. But like, I can imagine growing up, there's a pressure as a man to go, this is my lane. Yeah. This is my lane. And this is the pressure mm-hmm. that comes with that lane. And so that for there to be someone, you know, who, who is, has hard moments, but isn't totally flailing, you know, yeah, yeah. like who's who's handling it with with grace and humility and and transparency like that it's possible i think that's that's a a beautiful thing yeah yeah um yeah. and he is like so ready and willing and excited to talk to any any dad who yeah wants to whether he works yeah. in an office 5 days a week or is thinking about staying at home yeah. um and it won't be forever. That's the right, other right, thing. Right, right. You know, 
I said this earlier, but it's like our kids are ever evolving in what they need and what they need from us. And so, um, you know, this is a really short season of their mm-hmm. life. It feels like the days are long and the years are short. It's what yeah. they say. It's so cliche, but it really does summate this season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But thank you. Okay. Thanks. So, so we have three more questions. Uh, would this be a momville this month? Yes. With Mother's Day, and we're having, you know, our, our, a lot of women friends. God, that didn't yeah. feel dirty. Um, <laughs> I wish that I hadn't. I'm going to go to jail in Dadville. I'm going to be the first occupant of jail. I can jail hear Isley right now being like, yeah. um, God, is someone really watching? Gosh, is, <laughs> do you have a babysitter? <laughs> um, am I that? Because I can do it. I can help you in a lot of ways, Dave. Um, w- do you have any thoughts for moms that are listening? No. Oh. Man, I might need a second. I, I like. You've I, already given many great. Yeah, thoughts. There's I, many great thoughts. Um, I think one of the biggest. I don't know why I feel led to share this, but I will. Like a conversation with my mom. It's been the twins were little. They were probably toddlers, like a year and a half, maybe two. I was going out of town, and um. Isley, I told Isley that morning because you know when they're about five to seven you can't you don't want to give them too many days ahead like mommy leaves in four days because it's like Mm -hmm. there's just this so trying to find that line of of when to kind of share the news of when I'm headed back out and when I'm going to be home and how many sleeps and all that and she had gotten really sad she'd gotten really really emotional because she didn't want me to leave and I in that moment was like Hey, Isley, can I tell you something? Like, I'm really sad too. Mm. Like, and I'm sad that you're sad, but can I talk to you about something? And she said, yes. And I said, you can feel two things at once. You Mm. can have two feelings simultaneously. And I'm really sad that I'm leaving you. And I'm sad that you're sad. But I also want you to know that mommy's going to do what God has called her to do and and I'm happy about that. Mm. And it's okay, f- you know, do you, can you understand that? And my child is like, she's so, I'm so grateful that my firstborn is my firstborn because she really has had this beautiful way of, of understanding even at a really early age. And so we worked through it and sitting in her sadness with her was she felt better. You know, it's like, it's like the movie inside out (laughs) when sadness goes and sits next to bing bong. And it's like, that must've been really hard. And then all of a sudden you see a smile come across his face and he's ready to move on Mm -hmm. to the next thing. And it's a brilliant movie. And, um, so we kind of had that in our living room. And then I went to lunch with my mom. And in that moment I was like, this is what happened. And she goes, man, she goes, I don't know if I did that with you and I'm Mm. sorry. And she goes, I think I would have, I said, well, you're going to have so much fun at your grandparents' house and y'all are going to do this and this and this. And then we'll be home in a couple of days and, you know, kind of presented the, yeah, it'll be okay. Yeah. And, and having that moment of, of like my mom saying she was sorry, if that's what, how I felt and, and acknowledging, really acknowledging that I was making a correction as a parent, um, in a good way, in a, in a healthy way, it just, it meant the world to me. Yeah. Kudos to your mom. And, and I think that would, and I, I feel led to share that to maybe as a reminder or a bit of a challenge to 
other moms listening, like maybe sit, maybe think about practicing sitting with your child in their sadness, especially if it's around you not being able to be at something Mm -hmm. or you leaving town for something or just in those moments of like, it's okay to be sad. Yeah. It's, it's giving them the opportunity to see like, I'm a flawed human being Mm. because on the deepest level, I'm here to take care of you and to be your earthly mother. But I'm also supposed to point you to the one who created you, who, who will actually fill you yeah, mm-hmm. with yeah. unconditional love. Yeah. And it's hard for me to even fathom that yeah. mm-hmm. as a, as a human and as their mom. But, mm. but I, um, I think those are beautiful ways to remind them on their level. Like I love you mm. and I'm also, it's an imperfect love because I'm yeah. not God. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Um, but he does love you perfectly. Mm. Yeah. You know, I'm an Enneagram four as well. And I I had if someone asked me, which neither of you did, of course, but like what's a what's a a amazing moment as a dad? Like what what's what's a, a high point moment as a dad? It's maybe a couple six months ago or so, I was with our oldest and she said she was sad about something and we were kinda quiet for a little bit and she said Daddy, I like being with you when I'm sad. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna cry right now. And oh. um, it it was like it's such a great moment. Wow! But I'm like, this is not a moment that you ever could have seen. Yeah. As yeah. a parent. Yeah. Like what a what a great moment. I always thought it would be like I, where I saved the day or something mm, or like mm. I did something or I made her laugh or I, or I fixed mm. the problem yes. where I was like, she was sad. And then I was like, but think about all these things. And then she's happy. And then that's the moment. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you couldn't, you couldn't foresee that, that, you know, that so the so sad beautiful. moments can be awesome. My, yeah. my, that's beautiful. <laughs> y'all do know me well enough. There is hard. Is that the hardest thing that I do as a parent as a seven? Right, right. Because yeah. because it's not yeah. just that I don't want to sit in it. I have a way to get us out of there quick. Right. With a little biggie boppy, a little jokey <laughs> face, a character, somebody, and everybody's yes. like happy again. And I have to really. That's wow. That's been a really hard discipline for me. Mm-hmm. One that I think every now and then I do okay, but man, because I sort of feel like I actually have a superpower to change this right. moment. If yeah. <laughs> you know, oh. but it's hard. That is really hard. Um, okay. So we end, um, every dadville with two questions. Yeah. I'll ask you the first one. What is the one thing you want your kids to know? That they are unconditionally loved and have a deep, profound purpose Mm. i think and that sounds it sounds really like serious but but i um yeah i i think in all of the ways that i fail them and all the ways that chris fails them and all the ways that this world is you know going to be hard it is hard it's already been hard for them um to never lose, to never lose hope, and and belief that they they are loved and that they um, have a deep purpose. And I think for my oldest specifically, it's that failing is okay. Hmm. It's not failing is actually. Uh, we talked about it last night. She tried 
to experiment baking cupcakes and she put too much flour and they were like bricks mm-hmm. and she was devastated. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Isley, this was an experiment. Like mm-hmm. you were so brave to just blindly bake. Like I would cheat. <laughs> I would look up a recipe, you know, and just trying to, to really frame it because it's true. Like you're learning when you fail. Mm. It's not, it speaks nothing of your worth. Yeah. 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 That's a great point. And so maybe that, that would be the, that. the truer, um, what I want my kids to know. Yeah. Is that failing is not, your worth is not attached to whether you mess up or not mm-hmm. or do something right the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you just text me that every day? Yeah. <laughs> just make an automatic text. <laughs> I need to remember that so much. Yeah. Okay. Last question. What do you want your kids to say at your funeral? Oh, that chokes me up. Um, it's a really good question. Mm. I think as I sit here today, it's I I heard this uh, phrase over the weekend, and it's it's a common one, but it really. Um, it kind of encapsulates my answer, which is that I want to have a duck's back and a lion's heart. Hmm. I want to, I hope that they see that I let things roll, but that I have courage. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they know that they were loved. But that, that was a phrase that was said by a woman I love this past weekend at the, at a women's conference I attended and, she gave this whole talk about having a duck's back and a lion's heart. Mm. And I loved it so much. And it's been just in my brain since. And so, yeah, because how you deal with adversity to not lose courage, to still do the right thing. And, and I hope that they speak something to just how much I love them and people Mm. and just want, others to feel seen and loved mm-hmm. that's my hope i think i've gotten it back wrong for years because I've, I've tried really hard for a lion's back in a duck's heart and that's uh, <laughs> applicable in some yeah places. that's a different skill set <laughs> <laughs> thank you a million yes. times for coming hill I think I just saw the jet land in front, so we know that you're cute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I called an Uber black, so I know. Way to do it. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested.